Hello, everybody, and welcome to What's the Problem, the show that explores problems that buyers, practitioners, operators, and managers in the security space are facing in today's world. Today, we are fortunate to have security veteran Jack Borkroving with us all the way from Houston, Texas. Jack, say hello to the listeners. Well, hello, everyone. Glad to join you today, Mike. Hey, Jack, we are glad to have you on the show. Let's dive right into that first question. Why are you qualified to talk about security? Well, I've been in the industry a long time from the, the vendor perspective, going back uh, even before Nortel in the networking and security space, did some startups in there and then on through uh, Juniper and Cisco and now into my current role with VMware. So I've really been helping folks buy and implement not only complex network solutions, but also how to begin to secure the environment, the ecosystem, so that they really can begin to protect themselves uh, from the bad guys. All right, I heard some some uh, Nortel. I heard some uh, yes. some some traditional some some legacy names in there. I haven't heard for a while. Um, as someone with your experience, I'm sure that. There are a lot of uh, eyebrow raising security concerns or problems that you see mm -hmm. in our industry. Let's talk about one of them. You know, could you name one problem that you'd like to explore with our listeners today? Sure. I think, you know, as uh, actually some of your other guests have stated, when you get around this, the state and local government and education space, as well as the SMB space, the real issue that these folks have is they bring folks in that are pretty talented and as they get their experience and certifications, they move on and move out to higher paying roles and maybe more complex roles with larger organizations. So it's just constant movement through these organizations of talent. And it's hard to hold them and really begin to build that cohesive security strategy that's required to protect. So in, in light of that, how do you, how do you begin to maybe shape and change what what these organizations should be looking at in terms of how they buy, what they buy, and more importantly, how do they plan? Uh, I think those are real, Jack, real quick, key issues. Yeah, Jack, a quick uh, clarifying question. Mm -hmm. Talked about state and local government. Do you, in your experience, do you tend to see more or less turnover based on the size of, of the public organization, you know, like a, a municipality versus an entire state organization? Yeah, that, that's a great, great question. And I think it, it depends. Normally, you'll see the smaller the organization, the more constrained they are to really pay folks. So the turnover seems to be higher there. As you get to a large organization, say the state of Texas, there is more opportunity to say move around and move up. So you may find folks staying a little longer, but it's still the same issue. Um, you know, the, the, the public sector typically isn't able to pay as well as, say, a very large Fortune 50 or Fortune 100 or even right. a security vendor. So they're moving around. I'm hearing uh, I'm, I'm hearing some alarm bells in my head of what that means uh, for security within your organization. You know, is there anything you want to expand on there for us? Sure. A couple of things. If you think about it, 
in a lot of instances, these folks are coming in and, and you maybe have something when it's, boy, this is a really bright, sharp person that's, that's got the role. And they start to build this posture. They begin to build the processes and procedures so that you can protect your organization. But they don't document. There's no playbooks. There's nothing mm. written down. So they leave and it's like, uh-oh, now what? And it's, it's a start over. But in the meantime, there's this really um, anxious period where if something did happen, nothing's documented to be able to deal with it with the with the uh, issue at hand and, you know, and the intrusion at hand. So how do you deal with that? Right. I think part of the, the what we see a lot of is playbooks aren't written. So someone leaves uh, now what? Or you you get hacked. You, you've got an intrusion. You've got an event going on. Now you're panicked and just trying to react versus calmly stepping back and saying, hey, we've rehearsed this. We've practiced this. Let's go to our playbooks and walk it through and calmly mitigate this risk, this intrusion, this malware that's just hit us. So that's what I'm seeing. It's, it's people aren't putting into practice what they really need to play down the road. And it's no different than any great, you know, sports team. If they don't practice and go out there and play, it shows on the court. They, they basically lose to the team that's well-practiced, well-versed and just does what they're supposed to do. And everyone has their part. And so I think if, if I could emphasize to those that are listening to us, Start working on that. Get those plans in place and practice them. Run events, run tabletop exercises, and make sure that everything is kept up to date. So if someone leaves, if someone's sick, if someone's on vacation and you get breached, you're ready to go. You know what to do to begin to, to put everything in place and to stop what's going on. Yeah, I'm thinking of, there's a quote by a gentleman by the name of Jack Daly, and he he says life happens, and he's referring to life happening within a corporate environment um, or really just a workplace, right? Like life happens mm -hmm. to people. They're they're out for a day, they're out for a month, they're out for a year, and it just it it happens. Um, it's the same concept of you know if you got hit by a bus tomorrow, who would be able to come in and do X, Y, and Z that you're currently responsible for and accountable for? Is there a certain uh, within these organizations on the public sector side, mm -hmm. you know, are there certain roles who you think are better suited to create those playbooks, whether it's a title or a position, um, you know, it might not be who's currently creating them mm -hmm. or not creating them, but, but is that kind of role that you think is like, this is the person who is really just, this is the right seat for him or her. Well, I, I think that if you if you step back and say who's going to manage the process and, and more or less mandates a strong word, but certainly say, hey, we have to do this. It should to be come out of the office of the CISO if there if there is a CISO. If not, certainly the the CTO should be handling this is just a general procedure to say this is best practice that we have this this stuff documented and just start to bring folks into play and really sit the team down and say, what are we doing today? If we were breached right now, what would we do? 
And that really should be your start point, you know, to understand what's everyone's roles. You know, what what are the various functions do inside of the IT organization in the event of a breach? How do you handle it? How does everyone act and then react and work as a team so everyone's doing their role and you know once again a sports analogy but you're staying in your lane right so that at the end of the at the end of the event it's done you know promptly or as promptly as can be done and you go yeah we've really worked as a team on this and and provided our best effort and really mitigated this this malware this intrusion as rapidly as we possibly could the other thing that comes to mind is redundancy. So even if we have a, a plan, what happens if, you know, Jennifer is supposed to do numbers one, two, and three, and she's out sick, you know? So what, what, are, what are those kind of redundant systems, whether they're people-oriented systems um, or technical systems that are in place to, you know, just thinking about that in the plan, like what, what's, what's there to, when the worst thing happens, we've got a couple different fallbacks. Um, and obviously engineers love redundancy. Um, mm -hmm. for good reason, right? The things, yeah. things sometimes break your primary sometimes isn't available. So you've got to have a redundant system in place. Sure. And yeah, and you know, as, as engineers go, they, they certainly, you know, plan fallback and then fall back again for the fallback, but you're absolutely right. From a people perspective, if, if I have role A and I'm not there, who's going to do what I'm supposed to do. And in the event that person's not there, who covers that person, right? So I agree with you laying down the backup and then the backup to the backup, hugely critical. No different than if I have my, my databases that are inside of my application, my workloads, are they protected, you know, the initial workload, but more importantly, where's that backup? Is it in a safe place? Is it secure? Do I maybe have, feel like, gee, this is so important, I should have two backups or lots of incrementals in the event of ransomware, I can just take it down and, and basically rebuild my environment quite rapidly. Those are the kind of things that really need to be well thought out so that data is, is parked in secure locations. In a, you know, so if the primary is compromised, we've got a couple of backups. If you can afford it, if you can just afford one, then just make sure you have that one and you have lots of incrementals stacked on it so that it, it really, you have the ability to catch it where you need to and begin to restore it and get back to work quickly. Last question here before we, uh, we transition to our fun question on the way out of, of the episode. How do you thinking about these tabletop exercises and mm -hmm. building plans with redundancy and backups to the backup? How do different security vendors play a role in that? You know, you work for VMware right now. So if sure. you had a customer come to you and say, what would they be saying to you? Like, we want you to participate in this tabletop exercise, or would you be coming to them? Or, you know, is, is that happening at all between vendor and buyer? Uh, that's a great question. Yes, it is, right? I mean, there, there, there's that combination of, you know, I do think it's a proactive approach to say, hey, here's what we're seeing elsewhere at, say, other organizations, other groups, uh, or other county agencies that are best practices. Here's what we think here's the kind of things we think you all should be enabling and, and working on. And there's services that we can provide to help them get there. Additionally, there's a lot of great integrators, um, you know, as we like to call them partners that are out there that have their own 
team of experts that can say, hey, not only do you have stuff from VMware, but you have stuff from all these other vendors. Let us come in and help you build that cohesive tabletop exercise. So there are folks that really can help them get there and, and provide that expertise and, and really intelligence. So not only is it done, but it's continual because it shouldn't just be a snapshot in time. It should be an, an ever evolving playbook that's always getting better. I think, you know, to, to close down with yet another sports analogy, if you think about football, if, if uh, you want to market with a head or went to the game with a head coach who hadn't changed his playbook since 1975, high likelihood you're not going to be super successful over time. But that coach <laughs> right. like, like Nick Saban, who every year, every game, every quarter, he's evolving the plays. He's evolving the game plan. Those are the folks that really know how to make the changes keep it moving and, and win. And it's really about winning against the bad guys. Yeah. I'm glad you brought up uh, the partners. Uh, I believe it's still called VSPP. Or it used to yes. be called VSPP at VMware. Um, it was mm -hmm. a very active partner program, a lot of support uh, for folks who were standing up VMware, uh, any sort of virtualization products sold by VMware. And I, I imagine that they were, uh, they were a hot commodity. Um, even though there's a bunch of folks in that, that partner portal, it was, uh, I think they were all pretty dang busy. <laughs> <laughs> that is a very true statement. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get to the, to the, the fun stuff here, Jack. Uh, take us back a couple decades and tell us about uh, a terrible haircut that you had. Well, you know, I was thinking about this and, I, and, I'll, and I'll have to take you back a couple of decades as we all remember the, uh, the fun of the boy bands and everyone, they came out and they had that look with the spiked hair, the blonde, that, that unnatural blonde tips on the top and four pounds of gel. So your hair was almost straight up and wouldn't move in a typhoid, in a typhoon wind, right? It was just there. Man, did we think we all looked cool and you look back on and go yeah maybe not so much <laughs> so it, it was kind of cool at the time but it i one of those haircuts that just didn't hold up over time <laughs> jack I, I appreciate you being vulnerable there uh, i can see that haircut and i feel like i've seen that that haircut on uh, a gentleman by the name of guy fieri and he's still rocking the dude just started in the 90s and, and never got another haircut. So it, it's an evergreen haircut for that guy. <laughs> no doubt. That's a good point. Yeah. Well, thank you to Jack for joining us. And thank you to the listeners for making it to this end of this show. Show called What's the Problem? That explores problems that buyers, practitioners, and business folks in the security space are facing in today's world. We'll be excited to have you on the next show. And Jack, thank you again for your time. And thank you for having me. I, I truly appreciate it.